We were bored and alone with COVID at play. Nothing to do with our lives through the day. Then we decided to put on a play. Let's try braving the bard. Lightning or in rain. When the hurly burlies done. When the battle's lost. And what? That will be ere the set of sun. Where the place? Upon the heath. There to meet with Macbeth. I come, Grey Malkin. Paddock calls. Fair is phenol and foul is fair. 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 One scene two, a camp near forests. Enter Duncan, Malcolm, Donald Bain, Lennox with attendants, meeting a bleeding sergeant. What bloody man is that? She can report as seemeth by her plight of the revolt on new estate. This is a sergeant who, like a good and hardy soldier, fought against my captivity. Hail, brave friend. Say to the king the knowledge of the broil as thou didst leave it. Doubtful it stood, as two spent swimmers that do cling together and choke their art, the merciless MacDonwald, worthy to be a rebel, for to that the multiplying villainies of nature do swarm upon him, from the western isles of kerns and gallow-glasses is supplied. And fortune, on his damned quarrel smiling, showed like a rebel's whore, but all's too weak for brave Macbeth. Well, she deserves that name. Disdaining fortune with her brandished steel, which smoked with bloody execution, like valor's minion carved out her passage till she faced the knave. 
which ne'er shook hands nor bade farewell to him, till she unseamed him from the nave to the chaps, and fixed his head upon our battlements. Oh, valiant cousin, a worthy soldier. As whence the sun gins his reflection, shipwrecking storms and direful thunders break. So from that spring, whence comfort seemed to come, discomfort swells. Mark, King of Scotland, mark, no sooner justice had with valor armed compelled these skipping kerns to trust their heels, but the Norwegian lord surveying vantage with furbished arms and new supplies of men began a fresh assault. Dismayed not this our captains, Macbeth and Banquo? Yes. As sparrow eagles or a hare the lion. If I say sooth, I must report they were, as cannons overcharged with double cracks, so they doubly redoubled strokes upon the foe. But I am faint. My gashes cry for help. So well thy words become thee as thy wounds. They smack of honor both. Go, get her surgeons. Who comes here? God save the king. Whence camest thou, worthy thane? From Fife, great king, where the Norwegian banners flout the sky and fan our people cold. Norway himself, with terrible numbers, assisted by that most disloyal traitor, the thane of Cardor, began a dismal conflict, till that Bologna's bridegroom, flapped in proof, confronted him with self-comparisons, point against point, rebellious arm against arm, curbing his lavish spirit, and to conclude, the victory fell on us. Great happiness! That now, Swinnell, the Norway's king craves composition, nor would we deign him burial of his men, till he disbursed at St. Combe's Inch ten thousand dollars to our general use. No more that thane of Cordor shall deceive our bosom interest. Go pronounce his present death. And with his former title, Great Macbeth. I'll see it done. What he hath lost, noble Macbeth hath won. Act One, Scene Three, A Heath Near Forest. Thunder. Enter the Three Witches. Drain him dry as hay. 
sleep shall neither night nor day hang upon his penthouse lid. He shall live a man forbid. Weary senites, nine times nine shall do it peak and pine. Though his bark cannot be lost, yet it shall be tempest-tossed. Look what I have. Show me. Show me. Here I have a pilot's thumb. Wrecked as homeward he'd come. Ha! Ha! A drum. A drum. Macbeth doth come. The weird sisters, hand in hand. Posters of the sea and land thus to go about. About thrice to thine and thrice to mine. And thrice again to make up nine. Peace! The charms wound up. So foul and fair a day I have not seen. How far is it called to forth? What are these? So withered and so piled in their attire that look not like the inhabitants of the earth and yet are on it. Live you? Or are you odd that man may question? You seem to understand me by each at once her choppy finger laying upon her skinny lips. You should be women, and yet your beards forbid me to interpret that you are so. Speak if you can. What are you? All hail Macbeth! Hail to thee, Thane of Gloms! All hail Macbeth! Hail to thee, Thane of Cawdor! All hail Macbeth! Thou shalt be king hereafter! Good sir, why do you start? and seem to fear things that do sound so fair. In the name of truth, are ye fantastical, or that indeed which outwardly ye show? My noble partner you greet with present grace and great prediction of noble having and of royal hope, that she seems wrapped with all. To me you speak not. If you can look into the seeds of time and say which grain will grow and which will not, speak then to me, who neither beg nor fear your favors nor your hate. Hail! Lesser than Macbeth. And greater. Not so happy. Yet much happier. Thou shalt get kings, though thou be none. So all hail Macbeth Macbeth and Banquo. Banquo and Macbeth, all hail. Stay, you imperfect speakers. Tell me more. By Sinel's death I know I'm Thane of Gloms, but how of Cawdor? The Thane of Cawdor lives, a prosperous gentleman, and to be king stands not within the prospect of belief, no more than to be Cawdor. Save from whence you owe this strange intelligence, or why upon this blasted heath you stop our way with such prophetic greeting. Speak, I charge you. The earth hath bubbles, as the water has, and these are of them. Into the air, and what seemed corporeal melted as breath into the wind. Would they'd stayed. Were such things here, as we do speak about? Or have we eaten on the insane root that takes the reason prisoner? Your children shall be king. You shall be king. And fain of Cawdor, too. One did not so. To the selfsame tune and words. Who's here? The king hath happily received Macbeth. The news of thy success, and when she reads thy personal venture in the rebels' fight, her wonders and her praises do contend, which should be thine or hers. Silenced with that, in viewing o'er the rest, o oh, the selfsame day, she finds thee in the stout Norwayan ranks, nothing afeard of what thyself didst make. Strange images of death. As thick as hail came post with post, and every one did bear thy praises in her kingdom's great defense, and poured them down before her. 
We are sent to give thee from our royal mistress thanks, only to herald thee into her sight, not and thee. for in earnest of a greater honor, she bade me from her call thee Thane of Cawdor, in which addition hail most worthy Thane, for it is thine. What? Can the devils be true? The Thane of Cawdor lives. Why do you dress me in borrowed robes? Who was the Thane lives yet, but under heavy judgment bears that life which he deserves to lose, whether he was combined with those of Norway, or did line the rebel with hidden help and vantage, or that with both he labored in his country's wreck, I know not. But treason's capital, confessed Lons? and proved, and Thane of overthrown you. Oh, the greatest is behind. Thanks for your pains. Do you not hope your children shall be kings when those that gave the Thane of Cawdor to me promised no less to them? That trust in home might yet enkindle you unto the crown, besides the Thane of Cawdor. But tis strange, and oftentimes to win us to our harm, the instruments of darkness tell us truths, win us with honest trifles, to betrays in deepest consequence. Cousins, a word, I pray you. Two truths are told as happy prologues to the swelling act of the imperial theme. I thank you, gentlemen. Cannot be ill. Cannot be good. If ill, why hath it given me earnest of success, commencing in a truth? I am Thane of Cawdor. If good, why do I yield to that suggestion whose horrid image doth unfix my hair and make my seated heart knock at my ribs against the use of nature? Present fears are less than horrible imaginings. My thought, whose murder yet is but fantastical, shakes so my single state of man that function is smothered in surmise, and nothing is but what is not. Look how our partners wrapped. If chance will have me, King, why chance may crown me? Without my stir. New horrors come upon her, like our strange garments. Cleave not to their mold, but with the aid of use. Come what may, time and the hour runs through the roughest day. Worthy Macbeth, we stay upon your leisure. Give me your favor. My dull brain was wrought with things forgotten. Kind gentlemen, your pains are registered where every day I turn the leaf to read them. Let us toward the king. Think upon what hath chanced, and at more time, the interim having waited, let us speak our free hearts each to other. Very gladly. Till then enough. Come, friends. Act One, Scene Four. Forrest, the palace. Enter Duncan, Malcolm, Donalbane, Lennox, and attendants. Is execution done on Cawdor? Are not those in commission yet returned? My liege, they are not yet come back, but I have spoke with one that saw him die, who did report that, very frankly, he confessed his treasons, implored your highness's pardon, and set forth a deep repentance. Nothing in his life became him like the leaving it. He died as one that had been studied in his death, to throw away the dearest thing he owed, as twere a careless trifle. There's no art to find the mind's construction in the face. He was a gentleman on whom I built in absolute trust. Oh, worthiest cousin, the sin of my ingratitude even now was heavy on me. Thou art so far before, 
that swiftest wing of recompense is slow to overtake thee. Would thou hadst less deserved that the proportion both of thanks and payment might have been mine. Only I have left to say, more is thy due than more than all can pay. Oh, the service and the loyalty I owe in doing it pays itself. Your Highness's part is to receive our duties, and our duties are to your throne and state children and servants, which do but what they should, by doing everything safe toward your love and honor. <laughs> Welcome hither. I have begun to plant thee, and will labor to make thee full of growing. Noble Banquo, thou hast no less deserved, nor must be known no less to have done so. Let me enfold thee, and hold thee to my heart. There, if I grow, the harvest is your own. My plenteous joys, wanton in fullness, seek to hide themselves in drops of sorrow. Sons, kinsmen, thanes, and you whose places are the nearest, know we will establish our estate upon our eldest, Malcolm, whom we name hereafter the Prince of Cumberland which honor must not unaccompanied invest him only, but signs of nobleness like stars shall shine on all deservers, from hence to Inverness, and bind us further to you. I'll be myself the harbinger, and make joyful the hearings of my wife with your approach. So humbly take my leave. My worthy Cawdor. The Prince of Cumberland? Oh, <laughs> that is a step on which I must fall down, or else or leap, for it in my way it lies. Stars, hide your fires. Let not light see my dark and deep desires. The eye winks at the hand. Yet, let that be, which the eye fears when it is done to see. She is full so valiant, and in her commendations I am fed. It is a banquet to me. Let's after her, whose care is gone before to bid us welcome. It is a peerless kinsman. Act One, Scene Five, Inverness, Macbeth's Castle. Enter Lady Macbeth, reading a letter. day of success, and I have learned by the perfectest report that they have more in them than mortal knowledge. When I burned in desire to question them further, they made themselves air into which they vanished. Whilst I stood wrapped in the wonder of it came missives from the king who all hailed me, Thane of Cawdor, by which title before these weird sisters saluted me and referred me to the coming on of the time with hail king that shall be this have I thought good to deliver thee, my dearest partner of greatness, that thou mightst not lose the dues of rejoicing by being ignorant of what greatness has promised thee. Lay it to thy heart and farewell. Gloms thou art, and Cawdor, and shalt be what thou art promised. Yet do I 
fear thy nature. It is too full, O oh, the milk of human kindness, to catch the nearest way. Thou wouldst be great, art not without ambition, but without the illness should attend it. Hie thee hither, that I may pour my spirits into thine ear, and chastise with the valor of my tongue all that impedes thee from the golden round which fate and metaphysical aid doth seem to have thee crowned withal. What is your tidings? The king comes here tonight. Thou art mad to say it. Is not thy mister with him? Who were it so would have informed for preparation? So please you, it is true. Our thane is coming. Give her tending. She brings great news. The raven himself is horse that croaks the fatal entrance of Duncan under my battlements. Come, you spirits that tend on mortal thoughts, unsex me here and fill me from the crown to the toe, top full of direst cruelty. Make thick my blood, stop up the access and passage to remorse that no compunctious visiting of nature shake my fell purpose, nor keep peace between the effect and it. Come to my woman's breast, and take my milk for gall, you murdering ministers, wherever in your sightless substance you wait on nature's mischief. Come, thick night, and pall thee in the dunnest smoke of hell, that my keen knife see not the wound it makes, nor heaven peep through the blanket of the dark to cry, hold, Hold, hold. Great glamis worthy, Cawdor, greater than both by the all hail hereafter. Oh, thy letters have transported me beyond this ignorant present, and I feel now the future in the hmm. instant. My dearest love, Duncan comes here tonight. And when goes hence? Tomorrow, as she proposes. Oh, never shall sun that morrow see. Your face, my thane, is as a book where man may read strange matters. To beguile the time, look like the time. Bear welcome in your eye, your hand, your tongue. Look like the innocent flower, but be the serpent under it. She that's coming must be provided for, and you shall put this night's great business into my dispatch, which shall, to all our nights and days to come, give solely sovereign sway of our kingdom. Hmm. We will speak further. Only look up clear to alter favor ever is to fear. Leave all the rest to me. Act One, Scene Six. Before Macbeth's castle, enter Duncan. This castle hath a pleasant seat. The air nimbly and sweetly recommends itself to our gentle senses. Our honored hostess, 
The love that follows us sometime is our trouble, which still we thank is love. Herein I teach you how you shall bid God yield us for your pains, and thank us for your trouble. All our service, in every point twice done, and then done double, were poor and single business to contend against those honors deep and broad wherewith your majesty loads our house. For those of old and the late dignities heaped up to them, we rest your hermits. Where's the Thane of Cawdor? We coursed at her heels and had a purpose to be her purveyor, but she rides well, and her great love, sharp as her spur, hath hope her to her home before us. Fair and noble hostess, we are your guests tonight. Your servants ever have theirs, themselves, and what is theirs in compt, to make their audit at your highness's pleasure, still to return your own. Give me your hand. Conduct me to mine host. We love her highly, and shall continue our graces towards her. By your leave, hostess. Act One, Scene Seven. Macbeth's castle. Macbeth enters. If it were done when tis done, then twere well it were done quickly. If the assassination could trammel up the consequence and catch with her secease success, that but this blow might be the be-all and end-all here. But here upon this bank in shoal of time we'll jump the life to come. But in these cases we still have judgment here that we but teach bloody instructions, which being taught return to plague the inventor, this even-handed justice commends ingredients of our poisoned chalice to our own lips. She is here in double trust. First, as I am her kinsman and her subject, strong both against the deed, then as her host, who should against her murderer shut the door, not bear the knife myself. Besides, this Duncan hath borne her faculties so meek, hath been so clear in her great office that her virtues will plead like angels, trumpet-tongued against the deep damnation of her taking off, and pity, like a naked newborn babe. Striding the blast or heaven's cherubim, horsed upon the sightless couriers of the air, shall blow the horrid deed in every eye, that tears shall drown the wind. I have no spur to prick the signs of my intent, but only vaulting ambition, which o'erleaps itself and falls on the other. How now? What news? She has almost supped. Why have you left the chamber? Has she asked for me? Know you not she has? We will proceed no further in this business. She hath honored me of late, and I have bought golden opinions from all sorts of people, which would be worn now in their newest gloss, not cast aside so soon. Oh, was the hope drunk wherein you dressed yourself? Hath it slept since? and wakes it now to look so green and pale at what it did so freely. From this time such I account thy love. Art thou afeard to be the same in thine own act and valor as thou art in desire? 
Wouldst thou have that which thou esteemest the ornament of life, and live a coward in thine own esteem, letting I dare not wait upon I would, like the poor cat in the adage? Prithee, peace! I dare do all that may become a man. Who dares do more is none. What beast was it then that made you break this enterprise to me? When you durst do it, then you were a man. And to be more than what you were, you would be so much more the man. Nor time nor place did then adhere, and yet you would make both. They have made themselves, and their fitness now does unmake you. I have given suck, and know how tender tis to love the babe that milks me. I would, while it was smiling in my face, have plucked my nipple from his boneless gums and dashed the brains out, had I so sworn as you have done to this. If we should fail. We fail? But screw your courage to the sticking place and will not fail. When Duncan is asleep, whereto the rather shall her day's hard journey soundly invite her, her two chamberlains will I, with wine and wassail, so convince that memory, the warder of the brain shall be a fume, and the receipt of reason a limbeck only, when in swinish sleep their drenched natures lie as in death. What cannot you and I perform upon the unguarded Duncan? What, not put upon her spongy officers, who shall bear the guilt of our great quell? Will it not be received when we have marked with blood those sleepy two of her own chamber, and used their very daggers that they have done it? Who dares receive it other, as we shall make our griefs and clamor roar upon her death? <sighs> I am settled and bend up each corporal agent to this terrible feat. Away, and mock the time of those fairest show. False face must hide what the false heart doth know. Act Two, Scene One. Court of Macbeth's Castle. Enter Banquo and Fleance bearing a torch before him. How goes the night? The moon is down. I have not heard the clock. And she goes down at twelve. I take it this later. Hold, take my sword. There's husbandry in heaven. The candles are all out. Take thee that too. The heavy summon lies like lead upon me. And yet I would not sleep. Merciful powers restrain me in the cursed thoughts that nature gives way to in repose. Give me my sword. Who's there? A friend. What, friend not yet at rest? The king's abed. She hath been an unusual pleasure and sent forth great largesse to your offices. This diamond she greets your wife withal by the name of most kind hostess and shut up in measureless content. Now, oh, being unprepared, our will became the servant to defect. Which else should free have wrought? All's well. I dreamt last night of the three weird sisters. To you they have showed some truth. I think not of them. Yet, when we can entreat an hour to serve, we should spend it in some words upon that business, if you would grant the time. At your kindest leisure. If you shall cleave to my consent, when tis, it shall make honor for you. 
So I lose none in seeking to augment it, but still keep my bosom franchised and allegiance clear, I shall be counseled. <laughs> Good repose the while. Thanks, friend. Alike to you. Is this a dagger which I see before me? The handle toward my hand. Come, let me clutch thee. I have thee not, and yet I see thee still. Art thou not, fatal vision, sensible to feeling as to sight? Or art thou but a dagger of the mind, a false creation, proceeding from the heat-oppressed brain? I see thee yet, in form as palpable as this which now I draw. Thou marshalest me the way I was going, and such an instrument I was to use. Mine eyes are made the fools or the other senses, or else worth all the rest. Oh, I see thee still, and on thy blade and dudgeon gouts of blood, which was not so before. There's no such thing. It is the bloody business which informs thus to mine eyes. Now o'er the one half-world nature seems dead, and wicked dreams abuse the curtained sleep. Witchcraft celebrates pale Hecate's offerings, and withered murder, alarmed by his sentinel, the wolf, whose howls his watch, thus his stealthy pace towards his design, moves like a ghost. Thou sure and firm set earth, hear not my steps, which way they walk, for fear thy very stones prate of my whereabout, and take the present horror of the time, which now suits with it. Well's I threat, she lives, words to the heat of deeds too cold breath gives. I go and it is done. The bell invites me. Hear not, Duncan, for it is a knell that summons thee to heaven. What a hell. Act two, scene two. Court of Macbeth's castle. Enter Lady Macbeth. That which hath made them drunk hath made me bold. What hath quenched them hath given me fire. Hark, peace. It was the owl that shrieked the fatal bellman which gives the sternest good night. She is about it. The doors are open, and the surfeited grooms do mock their charge with snores. I have drugged their posits that death and nature do contend about them, whether they live or die. Who's there? What ho? Alack. I am afraid they have awakened, and tis not done. The attempt and not the deed confounds us. Hark, I laid their daggers ready. She could not miss them. Had she not resembled my mother as she slept, I had done it. My wife. I have done the deed. Didst thou not hear a noise? I heard the owl scream and the crickets cry. Did not you speak? When? Now. As I descended? I. Hark, who lies in the second chamber? Donalbane. This is a sorry sight. A foolish thought to say a sorry sight. There's one did laugh and sleep, and one cried murder, that they did wake each other. I stood and heard them. But 
they did say their prayers and addressed them again to sleep. There are two lodged together. One cried, God bless us, and amen the other, as they did see me with these hangman's hands. Listening their fear, I could not say amen when they did say God bless us. Consider it not so deeply. But wherefore could I not pronounce amen? I had most need of blessing, and amen stuck in my throat. These deeds must not be thought after these ways. So it will make us mad. Methought I heard a voice cry sleep no more. Macbeth does murder sleep. The innocent sleep. Sleep that knits up the reveled sleeve of care. The death of each day's life. Sore labor's bath. Balms of hurt minds. Great nature's second course. So chief nourisher in life's feast. What do you mean? Still it cried sleep no more to all the house. Glamis hath murdered sleep, and therefore Cawdor shall sleep no more. Macbeth shall sleep no more. Who was it that thus cried? Why, worthy Thane, you do unbend your noble strength to think so brain-sickly of things. Go, get some water and wash this filthy witness from your hand. Why did you bring these daggers from the place? They must lie there. Go, carry them and smear the sleepy grooms with blood. I'll go no more. I am afraid to think what I have done. Look on again, I dare not. In firm of purpose, give me the daggers. The sleeping and the dead are but as pictures. Tis the eye of childhood that fears a painted devil. If she do bleed, I'll gild the faces of the grooms withal, for it must seem their guilt. Whence is that knocking? How is't with me when every noise appalls me? What hands are here? <sighs> they pluck out mine eyes. Will all great Neptune's ocean wash this blood clean from my hands? No, no. This my hands will rather, the multitude in the seas, in incarnadine, making the green one red. My hands are of your color, but I shame to wear a heart so pure. Hark, more knocking. Get on your nightgown, lest occasion calls us and shows us to be watchers. Be not lost so poorly in your thoughts. I hear a knocking at the south entry. Retire we to our chamber. A little water clears us of this deed. How easy it is, then. Your constancy hath left you unattended. To know my deed, twere best not know myself. Wake Duncan with thy knocking. I would thou couldst. Acts 2, scene 3. Court of Macbeth's castle. Enter a porter. Knocking indeed. If a man were portrait of Hellgate, he should have old turning the key. Knock, knock, knock. Who's there in the name of Beelzebub? Here's a farmer that hanged himself on the expectation of plenty. Come in, time. Have napkins enough about you. Here, you'll sweat for it. Uh, 
Knock-knock! Who's there in the other devil's name? Faith, here is an equivocator that could swear in both the scales against either scale, who committed treason enough for God's sake, yet could not equivocate to heaven. Oh, come in, equivocator. Knock, knock, knock. Who's there? Faith, here's an English tailor. Hmm. Come hither for stealing out of a French house. <laughs> Come in, tailor. Here you may roast your goose. Knock, knock. Never be quiet. What are you? This place is too cold for hell. I'll devil portrait it no further. I had thought to let in some of all professions that go the primrose way to the everlasting bonfire. Anon, anon. I pray you, remember the porter. Was it so late, friend, ere you went to bed that you do lie so late? Faith, sir. We were carousing till the second cock and drink sir, is a great provoker of three things. What three things does drink especially provoke? Marry, sir, nose-painting, sleep, and urine. Lechery, sir, it provokes, and it unprovokes. It provokes the desire, but it takes away the performance. Therefore, much drink may be said to be an equivocator with lechery. It makes him, and it mars him. It sets him on, and it takes him off. It persuades him, and disheartens him. Makes him stand too, and not stand too. In conclusion, equivocates him in a sleep, and, giving him the lie, Leaves him. I believe drink gave thee the lie last night. That it did, sir, in the very throat on me. But I requited him for his lie, and, I think, being too strong for him, though he took up my legs sometime, yet I made a shift to cast it's him. It's thy lord stirring. Our knocking has awaked her. Here she comes. Good morrow, both. Is the king stirring, worthy thing? Not yet. As she did command me to call timely on her, I have almost slipped the hour. I'll bring you to her. I, I know this is a joyful trouble to you, but yet tis one. The labor we delight in physics pain. This is the door. I'll make so bold to call, for it is my limited service. Goes the king hence today. She does. She did appoint so. The night has been unruly. Where we lay... Our chimneys were blown down, and as they say, lamenting, heard in the air strange screams of death, and prophesying with accents terrible of dire combustion and confused events, new hatched to the woeful time. The obscure bird clambered the live-long night. Some say the earth was feverish and did shake. It was a rough night. My young remembrance cannot parallel a fellow to it. Horror, 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 tongue nor heart cannot conceive nor name thee. What's the matter? Confusion now hath made his masterpiece. Most sacrilegious murder hath 
broke oath the Lord's anointed temple and stole thence the life of the building. What is you say? The life? Mean you her majesty? Approach the chamber and destroy your sight with a new gorgon. Do not bid me speak. See, and then speak yourselves. Awake, awake. Ring the alarum bell. Murder and treason. Banquo and Donald Bain. Malcolm, awake! Shake off this downy sleep. Death's counterfeit and look on death itself. Up, up, and see the great doom's image. Malcolm Banquo has from your graves rise up and walk like sprites to countenance this murder. Ring the bell. What's the business that such a hideous trumpet calls to parlay the sleepers of this house? Speak, speak. Oh, gentle lady, tis not for you to hear what I can speak. The repetition in a woman's ear would murder as it fell. Oh, Benko, Benko, our royal king is murdered. Whoa, alas, what? In our house? Too cruel anywhere. Dear Duff, I pray thee, contradict thyself and say it is not so. Had I but died an hour before this chance, I had lived a blessed time. For from this instant, there's nothing serious in mortality. All is but toys. Renown and grace is dead. The wine of life is drawn, and the mere lees is left to this vault to brag of. What is amiss? You are, and do not know it. The spring, the head, the fountain of your blood is stopped. The very source of it is stopped. Your royal mother's murdered. Oh, by whom? Those of his chamber, as it seemed, had done it. Their hands and faces were badged with blood. So were their daggers, which unwiped we found upon their pillows. They stared and were distracted. No man's life was to be trusted with them. Oh, yet I do repent me of my fury, that I did kill them. Wherefore did you so? Who can be wise, amazed, temperate and furious, loyal and neutral in a moment? No man. The expedition my violent love outrun the pauser, reason. Here lay Duncan, her silver skin laced with her golden blood, her gashed stab looked like a breach in nature from ruin's wasteful entrance. There, the murderers, steeped in the colors of their trade, their daggers unmanneredly breached with gore. Who could refrain that had a heart to love, and in that heart, courage to make love's known? Oh, help me, hence. Oh! Look to the lady. Why do we hold our tongues, that most may claim this argument for hours? What should be spoken here? where our fate, hid in an auger hole, may rush and seize us. Let's away! Our tears are not yet brewed. Nor our strong sorrow upon the foot of motion. Look to the lady. And when we have our naked frailties hid, that suffer and exposure, let us meet and question this most bloody piece of work to know it further. Fears and scruples shake us. In the great hand of God I stand. And thence, against the undivulged pretense, I fight of treasonous malice. And so do I. So all. So, so all. all. Let's briefly put on manly readiness and meet in the hall together. Well, well contented. contented. What will you do? Let's not consort with them. To show an unfelt sorrow is an office which the false man does easy. I'll to England. To Ireland, I. Our separated fortune shall keep us both the safer. Where we are, there's daggers in men's smiles. The nearer in blood, the nearer bloody. 
This murderous shaft that's shot hath not yet lighted, and our safest way is to avoid the aim. Therefore to horse, and let us not be dainty of leave-taking, but shift away. There's warrant in that theft which steals itself when there's no mercy left. Act 2, Scene 4. Outside Macbeth's castle enter Ross and Sergeant. I have seen hours dreadful and things strange, but this sore night hath trifled former knowings. Thou seest the heavens is troubled with man's act, threaten his bloody stage. By the clock tis day, and yet dark night strangles a travelling lamp. Is night's predominance or the day's shame that darkness does the face of earth entomb when living light should kiss it? Tis unnatural, even like the deed that's done. On Tuesday last, a falcon, towering in her pride of place, was by a mousing owl hawked and killed. And Duncan's horses, a thing most strange and certain, turned wild in nature, broke their stalls, flung out, contending against obedience, as they would make war with mankind. Tis said they eat each other. They did so to the amazement of mine eyes that looked apart. Here comes the good Macduff. How goes the world, sir, now? Why see you not? It's known who did this more than bloody deed. Those that Macbeth hath slain. Alas the day. What good could they pretend? They were suborned. Malcolm and Donald Bain, the king's children, are stolen away and fled, which puts upon them suspicion of the deed. Against nature still, thriftless ambition, that wilt raven up thine own life's means. Then tis most like the sovereignty will fall upon Macbeth. She's already named and gone to Scone to be invested. Where's Duncan's body? Carried to Conkill, the sacred storehouse of her predecessors and guardian of their bones. Will you to Scone? No, cousin, I'll to Fife. Well, I will thither. Well, may you see things well done there. Adieu, lest our old robes sit easier than our new. Farewell, friend. God's benison go with you, and with those that would make good of bad and friends of foes. Hi, my name's Lexi Correa, and in my 21 years of life, I've become pretty curious. What fires us up? What gets our gears turning? Why do we have visceral reactions to things? What happens when we are genuinely curious? So I went on a quest to try and answer these. In my podcast, Living Room Thoughts, a friend and I unpack a topic that's really important to them, something that they are truly passionate about, and we take a deep dive. Sometimes getting off topic, of course, sometimes just wanting to make each other laugh, and other times holding space for one another when we need it most. If you ever find yourself genuinely curious, take a listen to Living Room Thoughts with Lexi, now streaming on all podcast platforms. Act 3, Scene 1. Boris, the palace. Enter Banquo. Thou hast it now, King Connor glams all, as the weird women promised, and... I fear thou played most foully for it. Yet it was said it should not stand in thy posterity, but that myself should be the root and mother of many kings. If there come truth from them, as upon thee, Macbeth, their speeches shine. Why, by the verities on thee made good, may they not be my oracles as well, and set me up in hope? But hushed, no more.
here's our chief guest. If she had been forgotten, it had been as a gap in our great feast, and all things unbecoming. Tonight we hold a solemn supper, and I'll request your presence. Let your highness command upon me, to the which my duties are with a most indissoluble tie for ever knit. Ride you this afternoon? Ay, my good lord. We should have else desired your good advice, which still hath been both grave and prosperous in this day's council. But we'll take tomorrow. Mist far your ride? As far, my lord, as will fill up the time, twixt this and supper. Go not my horse the better, I must become a borrower of the night for a dark hour or twain. Fail not our feast. My lord, I will not. We hear our bloody cousins are bestowed in England and in Ireland, not confessing their cruel parasite, filling their hearers with strange invention. But of that tomorrow, then therewithal we shall have cause of state craving us jointly. Hie you to your horse, adieu, till you return at night. Goes Fleance with you? Aye, my good lord. Our time does call upon us. I wish your horses swift and sure foot, and so I do commend you to their backs. Farewell. Let every man be master of his time till seven at night. To make society the sweeter welcome, we will keep to ourselves till supper time alone. Well then, God be with you. Sirrah, a word with you. Attend those men our pleasure. They are, my lord, without the palace gate. Bring them before us. To be thus is nothing but to be safely thus. Our fears in Banquo stick deep, and in her royalty of nature reigns that which would be feared. Tis much she dares, and to that dauntless temper of her mind she hath a wisdom that doth guide her valor to act in safety. There is none but she whose being I do fear, and under her my genius is rebuked. As it is said, Mark Antony's was by Caesar. She chid the sisters. When first they put the name of king upon me, and bade them speak to her. Then prophet-like they hailed her mother to a line of kings. Upon my head they placed a fruitless crown, and put a barren scepter in my grip. Thence to be wretched with an unlineal hand, no child of mine seceding. If it be so, for Banquo's issue have I filed my mind. For them, the gracious Duncan, I have murdered. Put rancors in the vessel of my peace only for them. And mine eternal jewel given to common enemy of man to make them kings the seed of Banquo kings. Rather than so, come fate into the list and champion me to the utterance. Who's there? Was it not yesterday we spoke together? It was. So please, your highness. Well then, now have you considered of my speeches? Know that it was she in the times past which held you under fortune, which you thought had been our innocent selves. This I made good to you in our last conference, passed in probation with you. How you were born in hand, how crossed the instruments who wrought with them, and all things else that made to half a soul and to a nation crazed, say, thus did Banquo. You made it known to us, 
I did so, and went further, which is now our point of second meeting. Do you find your patience so predominant in your nature that you can let this go? Are you so gospeled to pray for this good man and for his issue, whose heavy hand hath bowed you to the grave and beggared yours forever? We are men, my liege. Aye, and in the catalogue ye go for men, as hounds and greyhounds, spaniels, curs, shuz, water-rugs, and demi-wolves, are clept all by the name of dogs. The valued file distinguishes the shift, the slow, the subtle, the housekeeper, the hunter, every one according to the gift which bounteous nature hath in her closed, whereby she does receive particular addition. From the bill that writes them all alike, and so of men. Now if you have a station in the file, not in the worst rank of manhood, sayest, and I will put that business in your bosom, whose execution takes your enemy off, grapples you to the heart and love of us, who wears our health but sickly in his life, which in his death were perfect. I am one, my liege, whom the vile blows and buffets of the world have so incensed that I am reckless what I do to spite the world. And I another, so weary with disasters, tugged with fortune, that I would set my lie on any chance to mend it or be rid on it. All of you know Banquo was your enemy. True, True, my lord. So is she mine, and in such bloody distance that every minute of her being thrusts against my nearest of life. And though I could with bare-faced power sweep her from my sight and bid my will avouch it, yet I must not. For certain friends that are both hers and mine, whose loves I may not drop, but wail her fall who I myself struck down. And thence it is that I to your assistance do make love, masking the business from the common eye for sundry weighty reasons. We shall, my lord, perform what you command us, though our lives... Your spirit shines through you. Within this hour at most, I will advise you where to plant yourselves, acquaint you with the perfect spy of the time, the moment on to it, for it must be done tonight, and something from the palace. Always thought I require a clearness, and with her to leave no rubs nor botches in the work. Fleance, her child that keeps her company, whose absence is no less material to me than is her mother's, must embrace the fate of that dark hour. Resolve yourselves apart. I'll come to you anon. We are resolved, we are resolved Lord, my lord. I'll call upon you straight. Abide within. It is concluded. Banquo, thy soul's flight, if it find heaven, must find it out tonight. Act Three, Scene Two, The Palace. Enter Lady Macbeth and a servant. Is Banquo gone from court? Aye, madam, but returns again tonight. Say to the king I would attend her leisure for a few words. Madam, I will. Not had, all spent where our desire is got without content. Tis safer to be that which we destroy than by destruction dwell in doubtful joy. How now, my lord? Why do you keep alone of sorriest fancies your companions making, using those thoughts which should indeed have died with them they think on? Things without all remedy should be without regard. What's done is done. 
We have scotched the snake, not killed it. She'll close and be herself, whilst our poor malice remains in danger of her former tooth. But let the frame of things disjoint. Both the worlds suffer. Ere we will eat our meals in fear, and sleep in the affliction of these terrible dreams that shake us nightly. Better be with the dead, whom we, to gain our peace, have sent to peace, than on the torture of the mind to lie in restless ecstasy. Duncan is in her grave. After life's fitful fever, she sleeps well. Treason has done her worst. Nor steel, nor poison, malice domestic, foreign levy, nothing can touch her further. Come on, gentle, my lord. Sleek o'er your rugged looks. Be bright and jovial among your guests tonight. So shall I, love. And so I pray be you. Let your remembrance apply to Banquo. Present her eminence both with eye and tongue, unsafe the while that we must lave our honors in these flattering streams and make our faces wizards to our hearts, disguising what they are. You must leave this. Oh, full of scorpions is my mind, dear wife. Thou knowest that Banquo and her flance lives. But in them nature's copies not etern. There's comfort yet. They are assailable. Ere the bat had flown his cloistered flight, ere to Hecate's summons the shard-born beetle with his drowsy hums hath rung night's yawning peal, there shall be done a deed of dreadful note. What's to be done? Be innocent of knowledge, dearest Chuck, till thou applaud the deed. Come, sealing night, scarf up the tender eye of pitiful day. And with thy bloody and invisible hand, cancel and tear to pieces that great bond which keeps me pale. Light thickens and the crow makes wings to the rookie wood. Good things of day begin to droop and drowse while night's grim agents to their praise do rouse. Thou marvelest at my words, but hold thee still. Things bad begun make strong themselves by ill. So prithee, go with me. Act three, scene three. A park near the palace. Enter three witches. But who did bid thee join with us? Macbeth. She needs not our mistrust, since she delivers our offices and what we have to do to the direction just. Then stand with us. The west yet glimmers with some streak of day. Now spurs the lady traveler apace to gain the timely inn, and near approaches the subject of our watch. Give us a light there, ho. And tis she. The rest that are within the note of expectation already are in the court. Her horses go about. Almost a mile, but she does usually, so all men knew from hence to the palace gate maketh their walk. A light, a light! Tis she, tis she, tis she. Stand to it. It will be rain tonight. Let it come down. <laughs> oh, treachery! Fly, good friends, fly! Fly, fly! <laughs> Thou mayest revenge. Uh, it strike out the light. Trust not the way. There's but one down. The sun is fled. We have lost best half of our affair. Well, that's a way to say how much is done. Act three, scene four. 
hall in the palace, a banquet prepared. Enter Macbeth, Lady Macbeth, Ross, Lennox, lords, and attendants. You know your own degrees. Sit down. At first and last, the hearty welcome. Thanks to your majesty. Ourselves will mingle with society and play the humble host. Our hostess keeps her state. But in best time, we will require her welcome. Pronounce it for me, sir, to all our friends. For my heart speaks, they are welcome. See, they encounter thee with their heart's thanks. Both sides are even. Here I'll sit in the midst. Be large in mirth. Anon, we'll drink a measure the table round. There's blood on thy face. Tis Banquo's then. Tis better thee without than she within. She dispatched? My lord, her throat is cut. That I did for her. Thou art the best of the cutthroats. Yet she's good that did the like for Fleance. If thou didst it, thou art the nonpareil. Most royal sir, Florence escaped. Then comes my fit again. I had else been perfect, whole as the marble, founded as the rock, as broad and general as the casing air. But now I am cabined, cribbed, confined, bound into saucy doubts and fears. But Banquo safe? Aye, my good lord, safe in a ditch she bides, Twenty trenched gashes on her head, the least a death to nature. Thanks for that. There the grown serpent lies. The worm that's fled hath nature that in time will venom breed. No teeth for the present. Get thee gone. Tomorrow we'll hear ourselves again. My royal lord, you do not give the cheer. The feast is sold that is not often vouched. While tis a making, tis given with welcome. From thence the sauce to meet is ceremony. Meeting were bare without it. Sweet remembrance, sir. Now, good digestion, wait on appetite, and health on both. <laughs> May it please your highness, sit. Here had we now our country's honor roofed, were the graced person of our banquo present, who may I rather challenge for unkindness than pity for mischance. Her absence, sir, lays blame upon her promise. Please it, your highness, to grace us with your royal company. Hmm. The table's full. Here is a place reserved, sir. Where? Here, my good lord. What is it that moves, your highness? The, the ghost, ghost of Banquo oh, enters and sits in the best place. Which of you have done this? What, my good lord? Thou canst not say I did it. Never shake thy gory locks at me. Gentlemen, rise. Her Highness is not well. Sit, worthy friends. My lord is often thus, um, and hath been from her youth. Pray, you keep seat. The fit is momentary. Upon a thought she will again be well. If you much note her, you shall offend her and extend her passion. Feed and regard her not. Are you a man? I am the bold one that dare look on that which might appall the devil. Oh, proper stuff. This is the very painting of your fear. This is the air-drawn dagger which you said led you to Duncan. Oh, these flaws and starts imposters to choose fear would well become a woman's story at a winter's fire authorized by her granddam. Shame itself. 
Why do you make such faces? When all's done, you look but on a stool. Prithee, see there, behold, look, lo, how say you? Why, what care I, if thou canst not speak to? If charnel houses and our graves must send those that we bury back, our monuments shall be the moths of kites. What? Quite a man in folly. If I stand here, I saw her. Oh, fie for shame. Blood hath been shed here now. In the olden time, ere human statue purged the gentle wheel. I. And since, too, murders have been performed too terrible for the year. The times have been that where the brains were out, the man would die, and there an end. But now they rise again, with twenty mortal murders on their crown, and push us from our stools. This is more strange than such a murder is. My worthy lord, your noble friends do lack you. <laughs> I do forget. Do not muse at me, my most worthy friends. I have a strange infirmity, which is nothing to those that know me. Come, love and health to all. Then I'll sit down. Give me some wine. Filful. I'll drink to the general joy of the whole table. And to our dear friend. Banquo, whom we miss. Would she were here, to all and her we thirst, and all to all. Our duties Our and, and the pledge. pledge. Avant, and quit my sight. Let the earth hide thee. Thy bones are marrowless. Thy blood is cold. Thou hast no speculation in those eyes which thou dost glare with. Think of this, good peers, but as a thing of custom. Tis no other, only it spoils the pleasure of the time. What man dare, I dare. Approach thou like the rugged Russian bear, the armored rhinoceros, or the herkin tiger. Take any shape but that, and my firm nerve shall never tremble. Or be alive again, and dare me to the desert with thy sword. If trembling I inhabit, then protest me, the baby of a girl. Hence, born of shadow, unreal mockery, hence! Why so, being gone, I am a woman again? Pray you, sit still. You have displaced the mirth, broke the good meeting with most admired disorder. Can such things be? and overcome us like a summer's cloud, without our special wonder. You, you make me strange even to the disposition that I owe, when now I think you can behold such sights and keep the natural ruby of your cheeks, when mine is blanched with fear. What sights, my lord? I pray you speak not. She grows worse and worse. Questions enrages her. At once, good night. Stand not upon the order of your going, but go at once. Good night, and better health attend her majesty. It will have blood. They say blood will have blood. Stones have been known to move and trees to speak. Augurs and understood relations have 
by maggot pies and choffs and rooks brought forth the secret man of blood. What is the night? Almost at odds with morning, which is which? How sayest thou that Macduff denies his person and our great bidding? Did you send to him, sir? <laughs> I hear it, by the way. But I will send. There's not a one of them, but in his house I keep a servant feed. I will tomorrow, and betimes I will, to the weird sisters. More shall they speak, for now I am bent to know. By the worst means the worst. For mine own good all cause shall give way. I am in blood steeped in so far that should I wade no more. Returning were as tedious as go over. Strange things I have in head. That will to hand, which must be acted ere they may be scant. You lack the season of all natures. Sleep. Act three, scene five. A heath. Thunder. Enter the three witches, meeting Hecate. Why, how now, Hecate? Why, how now, Hecate? Why, how now, Hecate? You look angrily. You are saucy and overbold. How did you dare to trade and traffic with Macbeth in riddles and affairs of death? And I, the mistress of your charms, the post contriver of all harms, was never called to bear my part or show the glory of our art. And which is worse, all you have done hath been before a wayward child, spiteful and wrathful, who, as others do, loves for her own ends, not for you. But make amends now, get you gone, and at the pit of Acheron meet me in the morning, whither she will come to know her destiny, your vessels and your spells provide, your charms and everything beside. I am for the air, this night I'll spend unto a dismal and a fatal end. Great business must be wrought ere noon. Upon the corner of the moon there hangs a vaporous drop profound. I'll catch it ere it come to ground and that distilled by magic lights shall raise such artificial sprites as by the strength of their illusion shall draw her on to her confusion. She shall spurn fate, scorn death, and bear she hopes both wisdom, grace, and fear. And you all know security is mortal's chiefest enemy. Hark! I am called, my little spirit sees, sits in a foggy cloud, and stays for me. 